electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, a strange detour in Sam Bankman-Fried's trial, a preview of his testimony without a jury. Kate Rooney was in the room where it happened. He tried to blame his FTX lawyers, saying that they signed off on things like bank accounts that misused customer money. It's a bit of a Trumpian defense, to be honest with you. The next phase of the proceedings with former SEC chair and attorney Jay Clayton. Well, that's really the question that the judge is going to grapple with this morning. Although this looks like a fairly speculative defense, should I allow it in? And a conversation you'll only find here on the podcast. Andrew Ross Sorkin sits down to talk tech and AI bots with Black Eyed Peas frontman Will I Am. We are entering this new realm of generative AI and AI everything. A lot of jobs will be rendered obsolete because of it, but new jobs, new industries, new careers are going to be created. And Segway inventor Dean Kamen, they've teamed up on philanthropy and education and believe in the power of STEM to change the world. If we can get to these kids before their parents teach them how to hate each other, which they've done for a thousand years, We can use science and technology to bring them all together. It's Friday, October 27th, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And wow, what a week it has been. Joe, we got... Yep, developing stories. 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 Uh, This one in the Middle East, uh, U.S. fighter jets launching an early morning strike, uh, in this case on two locations in eastern Syria. Uh, The Pentagon says both were linked to Iran's Revolutionary Guard. The moves in response to a string of drone and missile attacks against U.S. bases and personnel uh, in the region that began early last week, killing at least one U.S. citizen and injuring at least 20 more. The Pentagon says the U.S. does not seek any escalation of the conflict uh, and describe these strikes as separate and distinct from the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas. But you'd have to think it's, it's somewhat related. And, and you have seen a change in tone from the Biden administration on, on whether Iran, how directly involved Iran was in the, uh, the Hamas atrocities. Although they are saying with this attack or with this, uh, this planned thing that they went through with, with this strike, that it is not related. I don't believe it. I, I don't believe Obviously it either. It I don't believe it either. Yeah. But they are going out of their yeah, ways to try and say it's, 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 it's not related because they are trying Everything's so hard to keep this from expanding. Right. But they also have to protect their troops. I mean, uh, we talked about Nikki Haley yesterday. She's, she's a hawk. She is a hawk, uh, Andrew. And yep. There's a real question. I mean, there's, remember the neocons? I mean, they were, didn't take much for them to think we can go fix things with a couple of shock and awe campaigns. And that we learned it never that, worked. No. Now we're back to arguing from the other side that 
an America that isn't around causes these things to happen if they know we're not there to keep, to keep the... And I'm not sure that's the answer either. I know. Well, that's why, that's why the, the discussions are ongoing, shall we say, right now. And we'll see it in, in, at the next election. There'll probably be some choices as to how involved you right. want to be in Ukraine and But I also think Italy. there's a question mark in, about how much all this costs, right? I mean, we spent trillions and trillions of dollars talking about, yeah. talking, about, talking about adding debt to the, right. the pile and then what, what do you have for it, well, right? But that's what, and I, and I don't want to be flippant about it, but I mean, what did Afghanistan cost? And, and where are we now on that whole? No question. There's no question. Maybe lesser, to a lesser extent Iraq, but cost a lot. Cost a lot with very little payoff. The questions then become, what do you say to an Israel? What do you say to a Ukraine when they are asking for aid and for help? And there's a difference. And too, they've been right, attacked uh, by the, somebody else who came into their own sovereign right. territory. The real costs in Iraq and Afghanistan obviously weren't monetary either. Yeah, lost limbs lives. and lives. And, and, and that's not the case yet with any of these other conflicts. God, you know, please. J.P. Morgan Chase's CEO, Jamie Dimon, planning to sell some of his holdings in the banking giant. An SEC filing just out saying that Dimon and his family will sell one million shares in 2024, citing the desire for financial diversification as well as tax planning. It would be Dimon's first such sale since he <laughs> took over the CEO position. Dimon and his family currently hold about 8.6 million shares. He says oh. he continues to believe the company's prospects are very strong and that he plans to retain a significant stake. That's... He's been the CEO a long, you know, time. That, that, long, long that, time. That adds up. Uh, yeah, he has. But that, if, if you add it all up, that, that, that's actual real money now. It's a $140 stock. Yeah. God yeah. bless him. But he's not a founder, really. But he's kind of a founder. Because he, you know, not a founder. But he did enough to, to be almost considered yeah. a builder of that business. Right. And protect the company. That was, that that was the thing for a long time. He was, he was an aqua hire. Well, he was like a... It's almost a, it was a Chicago guy, and it was, I think there was a... Oh, well, it was a New York guy. Bank and one it was, was Ohio. Was yeah. I think Bank One was a Columbus lender, right? And then there was the Chicago connection, Chicago, and, and yeah. it turned into J.P. Morgan. Right. Shares of Chipotle uh, doing better this morning. The restaurant chain reported earnings of 11.36 a share, beating estimates of 10.55. Revenue was in line, but comps uh, store sales rose 5%. And that was above expectations. Chipotle said last year's uh, menu price hikes helped drive profitability. Last quarter had been uh, largely offset uh, this quarter by the rising cost of beef and queso. I love queso. As a result, uh, it raised menu prices earlier this month for the first time in more than a year. I also heard Frank say something about carne asada. They brought that back. I like that, too. Pork, isn't it? Is it pork? No, it's I, th- I thought it was beef. Maybe beef. What am I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yesterday on Closing Bell Overtime, CEO uh, Brian Nickel uh, said when it comes to weight loss drugs like Ozempic, he's not concerned. These GLP-1 drugs, we're really not seeing any impact in our business. And the more we study it and understand it, frankly, I think this is another place where we're positioned really well. You know, our food is clean, highly customizable. So if you do decide to go on these GLP-1 drugs, you can get exactly how, what you want to eat. Chipotle also said customers in California can expect to pay more next year. The company's going to pass along the higher labor costs that come from a bill that, wait, that raises wages for fast food workers all the way up to $20 an hour in April. Based in Newport Beach, that's that 
that beautiful shot. I was looking out his window trying to figure out where he was, uh, where he was hanging his hat. Great place. Hmm. Great place, right? Yeah. Carne asada can include beef, pork, lamb, goat, chicken. Blah, blah, blah. No way. That's what it says on this Quran thing. Interesting. <laughs> Carne just means meat. Meat, yeah. Just the Google, the Google Carnal telling knowledge. us. Yeah, yeah. So it's a mystery, but <laughs> kind of like when I go to Taco Bell, and I don't care. I still love it, but I'm not really sure what the hell I'm eating, but I like it. Uh. Next on Squawk Pod, Sam Bankman-Fried takes the stand today in his criminal fraud trial. CNBC's Kate Rooney on how the testimony so far has played in the courtroom, like from SBF's former girlfriend. I think from a jury's perspective, Caroline Ellison was especially credible. And Jay Clayton, the former SEC commissioner, on the high stakes for SBF's defense team, plus Bitcoin's run-ins with regulators. SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce is for a spot Bitcoin ETF. I can't guess as to my colleague's approach to this topic. But her former colleague Jay Clayton had a different strategy. I was not comfortable approving a Bitcoin ETF when those questions were open. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by Joe, his mic, Q. Good morning, welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, I'm Joe Kern along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried taking the stand in his own defense, but without the jury present. It was a uh, remarkable twist yesterday, a dress rehearsal of sorts in the landmark crypto fraud trial. Kate Rooney uh, joins us now with more. Tell us about this, because it was so unusual. The jury was was told to go home. Yeah, so they left halfway through the day, Andrew. It was really an unusual detour yesterday. Sam Bagman-Fried did get up on the stand, but there was no jury in the room. This was so the judge could decide if certain topics are admissible, including the role of SBF's corporate lawyers. He was wearing this oversized gray suit, noticeably shorter hair up there. The defense team kicked things off yesterday. He tried to blame his FTX lawyers, saying that they signed off on things like bank accounts that misused customer money and some of the illegal loans. At that point, Bankman-Fried seemed calm. He was giving concise answers. Not the case, guys, when the prosecution started grilling him. He was stumbling. He asked for a lot of clarification, stalled to take uh, multiple sips of his water bottle, said that he couldn't remember certain things. Instead of yes or no answers, he would evade. He would say things like, I would not classify that as particularly what happened. That was one example of an answer. The judge seemed 
frustrated with all of these diversions, he repeatedly told him, listen to the questions and answer the question directly. He also noted sarcastically that the defendant has an interesting way of answering questions. Bankman-Fried will continue that testimony today and in the coming days he's going to face more cross-examination if he is found guilty and the judge suspects that Bankman-Fried lied in that sworn testimony could add years to his sentence. We do expect the judge to rule on what the jury can hear this morning. They're back in that courthouse downtown in a few hours. Okay, I have a couple questions. First of all, there was yeah. a moment, at least because I was reading the transcript, where somehow there's an objection. The, the judge says sustained. Yeah. He answers the question anyway. And his own lawyer says, what are you doing? Haven't yes. you been here for the last four weeks? <laughs> he cut him off. Yeah, his lawyer at a couple points tried to say, oh, actually, we're going to the next question and tried to kind of coach him up there. But that was fascinating. Um, what do you expect? I mean, th this defense, which is largely around the idea that he had lawyers that were advising him yeah. uh, to do some of these things uh, or with the advice of counsel. Yeah. It's, it's a, a bit of a Trumpian defense, to be uh, honest with you. Uh, do you, do you think that Judge Kaplan's going to go for it? He, yesterday, used this analogy in this hypothetical situation of, say you robbed a bank. Yes. And if you use that money to go buy an apartment and then you had lawyers work on some of the documents for the apartment, the lawyers aren't liable because they didn't know about the bank robbery. Right. He did not seem to be coming around to the argument that it was the lawyer's fault. What do you mean oversized gray suit? Did it look like... Yeah, it was bad. He lost a lot of weight because he lost weight. Thinner. So he got the hair... But is he like... I had to go to Goodwill to get a suit because they have no it, money or it something? It didn't fit. The suit didn't fit. Why? He's got, he had billions of dollars. He can't have a nice Zen. He didn't have a nice clothes when he had billions of dollars when he actually had billions of dollars. But it's weird. You, that was the first thing you said, oversized. So it, it was <laughs> obviously... Those are the details you need, Joe. You're I know. Room. But, you gotta but I can't tell from these crappy drawings. I didn't even know that. The drawing. No, they're... That looks like Norm McDonald. Sketch artists are incredible, by the way. They're doing these in like five minutes. But yeah, yeah no, so his suit's bigger. I mean, look at his hair. He was known for having... Right. The big hair, and now it's... It looks like he's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, he has lost weight. Yeah, that tends but to happen. It, 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 so the judge isn't buying any of this. He's not going to let him testify because he doesn't think he's going to tell the truth? Is that, or the, the so defense... He's going to let him testify, just not about yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah. So he might let him... Well, he'll let him testify, but he may not let him talk about the lawyers. And he I can't and blame the lawyers subject. for it. The other thing is this... By the whole, way, guys, he was the CEO. Like, right. stop blaming everybody else in the room. And that was the big thing yesterday. He, he kind of, when the, he was getting grilled by the prosecution, was saying, oh, I don't really remember. I wasn't there. I wasn't... I don't quite recall that question. And so completely different from what we heard from his three top lieutenants who said, I committed fraud, I knew I was committing fraud, and I did so at the direction of Sam Bankman-Fried. So the tone is completely right. different. Okay, let me ask you a different question, though. Yeah. Because I was down there and I watched some of this. Yeah. All three of them, as you know, have, have deals in place. Yes. Did you find them all credible? Ah, good, good question. Honestly, I think from a jury's perspective, Caroline Ellison was especially credible. I think she was also the most heartfelt, the most emotional up there. I think the other two got up there and were a little more stoic, I would say, and just less emotional. I think Caroline Ellison had a lot of credibility, and um, especially because of their romantic relationship. So, yeah, I, I think as a juror, they did have a lot of credibility, despite the fact that they have a plea deal. So we'll see, though. I mean, too soon to tell, and it, it will probably wrap up next week. It's actually moving quite quickly, all things considered. Kate Rooney, thank you. Join us right now to talk about the case and so much more. Jay Clayton, former SEC chairman and a CNBC contributor. What did you make of this unusual sort of dry run dress rehearsal? I want to see what you're going to say before you say it 
in front of the jury. Very unusual. Uh, unusual, but I'll, 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 make a, I'll make a plug for the judge and the judicial system here, because what we have seen, this, you had that um, remarkable interview, I think it was less than a year ago, yep. um, in the Bahamas, mm -hmm. not knowing what is going on. And in less than a year, we're at the final stages of the trial here with what I would say is a, a very competent judge, you know, ex incredibly experienced, a prosecutorial team, very competent, and a, and a good defense lawyer. This is the way our judicial system should work. We're, we're here, we're getting results in a, in a very short amount of time. Now, what, 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 what was going on yesterday? Um, if you're a defense lawyer, your job is to sow doubt in the minds of the jurors, doubt that, that there was really, in this case, really intent here. Right. Um, what, what is a way to do that is to say that, you know, on the intent to defraud, on the intent to use funds, that there was a reliance on others. And here, the reliance on the lawyers. That is, that is a legitimate defense if you actually got legal advice about the actions you took. Right. I think what the judge is trying to assess here is, are there, is there enough indicia that Sam really sought legal advice, that he understood he was being told by the lawyers that what he was doing was permissible? to allow that defense. Well, it seems to me there's two issues. There's, there's that, but also how much the lawyers knew, right? I mean, there's the secondary issue of, of, and that's, I think, very specific. That was the question that the judge was asking yesterday, which is, you know, if you go rob a bank and then you go talk to your lawyer and says, I, I need you to help me uh, move this money from here to there, if you didn't tell the lawyer prior that the money was from the robbery, that, that you can't really then claim that, the, that, that you relied on the lawyer. However, if the lawyer was involved with the original robbery, mm -hmm. and in this case, that the suggestion is such, I think, if you believe that it's a robbery at all, and mm -hmm. I know that's a, a, a question of this whole case, um, then would you allow the, the, the judge, uh, the, the, this legal piece of it in? The other thing, it seems to me, is that the lawyer that is in question Nobody, is, nobody seems to want to call mm -hmm. uh, for this case because then you also then have to open up all sorts of other issues. So neither uh, side wants to call the lawyer? Thus far, I don't think that the prosecutors clearly did not want to call the lawyer. Um, and it doesn't appear that they, are, that they want to call the lawyer. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But you cast this on, in exactly the right way, which is, are there enough indicia? Are there enough questions? Did, did the lawyers actually know enough facts where there was real legal advice that you could rely on. And from what I saw in, in the transcript, there, there was not that type of engagement. How? And, and I mean, you, ex you, you expect deep engagement with your lawyers on whether I can take my customers' funds and go do something completely different with them. The only reason that uh, that, there, there, that, that door might open mm -hmm. is that it appears that the lawyer was the one who wrote the terms of service with some of the language mm -hmm. that appears to allow for wild things to happen yeah and if, then there were all sorts will. of and then there were just reading the transcript right. and there were all sorts of questions about whether um sam asked about that right yeah what 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 did the terms of service allow or not and that was the that was the back and forth about whether messages had disappeared Let me you this. i think the 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 betting line of course is that uh he's going to be convicted at least of some of these uh uh counts if not all of them uh, i imagine they will try to appeal the case these cases are very very difficult to appeal but Given how limited the defense has been, has been meaning the, the judge has limited this defense on a lot of different issues in a, in a sort of, I, I think people would say even a unique way. Do you think that that is going to make this case in a, a more appealable case? Well, that, that's really the question that the judge is going to grapple with this morning, which is, you know, is this something that although, and you, you saw his skepticism away from the jury, which is although this looks like a fairly speculative defense, should I allow it in? 
um, you know, as, as a matter right. of, you know, basically I'd say good administration of justice. Just before we run out of time, you could come back to this, but um, so Bitcoin was up 25% in like four days. And we had an SEC. Yeah, so this is where I was going next. Go ahead. We had an SEC official on who said, uh, it's crazy to me that we haven't already, that the SEC has an okay to spot. But, but she also said. Spot BTF. Uh, spot ETF. ETF for Bitcoin. But she also said, but these people, these other three people are, are never, basically said we're never going to do it. I can't say whether or not the, the commission is, is ready to approve a Bitcoin exchange traded product. I've been thinking we should approve one for the last five years. So the, the logic for why we haven't has always mystified me. Uh, the court case obviously is, is an important factor in the landscape, but um, I can't guess as to my colleagues' approach to this topic. The Rorschach, people saw, one side saw her say, it's insane that it hasn't been okay. The other side said, well, these people that I'm working on the serving with are not going to do it. Why, why was it up 25% and is it still inevitable this year? Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've said it's inevitable. This um, year? Okay. Don't, you, never, you should never give a time and a... And a You're right, right. A I mean, I, I'm, I'm learning from you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Don't give a time and a prediction. No, no it, 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 the, the issues that were in doubt, you know, is trading manipulative? And, and for a time period, people thought 90% of trading in Bitcoin was wash trading, ladder trading, or, or otherwise manipulative. Is there enough data about trading? Do we, do we have enough data about overall supply and how it operates? All of those questions, in addition to what... Bitcoin is classified as, which is a commodity, CFTC, SEC, agree. They've all been decided. So, so the questions that were what I would say, and so, so doubt in my mind. Look, I was not comfortable approving a Bitcoin ETF when those questions were open. But, you know, I, I think now they've been so decided. So you would echo what she said, that it, it's totally illogical that it hasn't been done yet. Right. I, I would echo what she said. And I don't know whether Bitcoin is going to be worth a lot or a little, right. but we're at a point where the market can decide. But, Jay, let me ask you this then. That's interesting. Um, are you of the view that, that what you're seeing here, um, because we have BlackRock on the docket mm -hmm. and Fidelity and some of these big names, I think a lot of people seem to take great comfort in the idea that a BlackRock is the one asking or Fidelity is the one asking and that it's not, you know, Grayscale, which is a smaller firm that's been asking for this. Mm -hmm. that FTX. That's that, or an FT, <laughs> that that somehow is a distinction and that somehow the SEC is going to look upon them more favorably because of who they are or because they have relationships with, like how does that actually work in practice? Do you get, you get this application from BlackRock mm -hmm. and you go, geez, because it's coming from BlackRock, I should probably do this. Or do you I, say I, I it doesn't I, matter I, that you're BlackRock or yeah. you're uh, uh, the, the, the lovely guy behind here who serves coffee outside? Let's give the SEC staff some credit. That's not how they look at it. What, but what, what is the BlackRock fidelity, what is it indicia of? A deeper exploration of the issues that we just talked about. There has been back and forth dialogue with people who have applications, dem demonstrate that trading is efficacious, demonstrating that people can have the data, demonstrate that there's a way to hold this right. so that you know, theft and, and, and the like are, are you know, right. uh, reduced. So many people coming in and saying, yes, right. we've looked at this, that's- Just one quick question, your shift in this, uh, Apollo and a number of the other companies you're involved in, involved in Bitcoin at all? Um, not to any great extent. Okay. Just well, they gotta hurry, because you know what's coming. Right before the reckoning, what's the reckoning? That's a big. That's a bigger deal than the having. What are you talking about? Well, day the having. No, the having is coming in a year. Correct. The having of Bitcoin is coming. Talking about there. bringing so religion. Let's get this spot thing done while while we while we can before the having. 
And then after that is coming the reckoning. That's when we all go to heaven or something. Yeah, what is the it? Day of day of reckoning. Is um, when, you know, you, you're the one who was talking about we don't we separate church and state here. So all right, but having sounds like the reckoning. It sounds almost cultish, does it well, not? You you see who gets left behind. I, guess. <laughs> I don't want to be left behind. You? What's that? <laughs> I said I don't want to be left behind. You, you don't know anything about this? Look, Andrew, right? let, me, let me come back to you. You asked yeah. me about <laughs> Apollo and the public companies yeah. on the oh, no. not to any great. So I, I right. do want to make clear. I. I I give advice and provide right. to, uh, on on where I think the world is going. Right. I've been right and I've been wrong, but you know. Okay. No. No. I. Just, I, I, I but if I you were like in the chair, you question. would have decided. Uh, yeah. To bring it by now. You think by I now think it's you would have? Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. a shift. That's a, that's an interesting. But but I, I many legitimate reasons why it has taken a, a fair amount of time to get here. Right. Fair enough. Jay Clayton, thank you. Thank you. Cheese will be next. To hear Andrew's 2022 interview with Sam Bankman-Fried from the days of the emerging scandal when SBF was still in the Bahamas, check out our episode notes for this podcast. We'll include a link there. Up next, it's Will I Am and his teammate in educating kids in STEM and robotics, inventor Dean Kamen. We were on tour and I'm on a Segway and I'm like, I hear you're the guy who created the technology behind the Segway. He was like, yeah, I sure did how they're changing the way kids learn about science and how AI is changing pretty much everything else. The fact is, there's not a single example of a new technology that didn't create more jobs than it wiped out. We'll be right back. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. because. If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin with a special interview. STEM education program FIRST is gearing up for its annual fundraising gala. FIRST offers after-school robotics programs for hundreds of thousands of K-12 students all over the world. And its corporate sponsors include tech and engineering giants like Lockheed Martin, NASA, 3M, Apple, Google, and many others as they try to uh, instill some, some more STEM uh, around the country. It was first founded by Dean uh, Kamen, the inventor of Segway and iBot, and uh, pushed uh, for more STEM education along with Dean in all of this is Black IP's frontman and entrepreneur Will I Am, and I spoke to both of them about robotics, AI, and the impact of that first program. Hey guys, can you hear me? It's Andrew. Or hear me? Hey, see you. Well, how, how did you guys meet? How did you guys get involved? Together? Um, I, um, I called Dean. I cold called him um, in two thousand. You, call, you cold called him. Yeah, in two thousand nine, we were on tour, and I'm on a Segway. And I'm like, I hear you're the guy who created the technology behind the Segway. He was like, yeah, I sure did. Uh, the technology there is originally from my product called the iBot. And, and uh, what, how can I help you? I'm like, yo, I want to make, I want to take it apart and make it go faster. Can you help me take the governor off? He was like, why would you do that? Um, I, he's like, I hope you do that if you help me with first. I'm like, what's first? He was like, it's a robotics competition for the youth. We start as early as nine-year-olds building um, Lego bots, and they compete. 
FLL, FRC, FTC. Why don't you come to, to the kickoff and, um, and I guarantee you, you're going to be blown away. So I went to the kickoff that year and um, that kickoff transformed my whole entire perspective on purpose uh, and contribution in, in society, starting with my community in, in Boyle Heights. I wanted to have a robotics program after I saw that kickoff. Um, and he was like, I need you to help me make it cool. I was like, you know, Dean, I can't help you make it cool. This is already cool. I can help you make it loud. And I've been working with, with first ever since. So this is my wow. 12th year, 12th year. We have just a little around 300 schools in Los Angeles Unified School District serving just a little over 13,000 students in LA, uh, with robotics. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's transformed my community. We've sent kids to Brown, to Dartmouth, to Stanford. We have amazing scholars, amazing um, engineers in the field of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, I've seen how it's transformed my neighborhood. First should be in every single school across America. We are entering this new realm of, of generative AI and AI everything. A lot of jobs will be rendered obsolete because of it. But new jobs, new industries, new careers are going to be created. And the folks that are a part of FIRST, uh, like Austin, the CEO, founder of a company called uh, uh, Luminar, uh, he is like the poster child of what, you know, comes from a FIRST uh, uh, right. education and involvement in building robotics. Well, Dean, that's where I was going to go on the AI front, uh, now that Will I Am raised it, is in a world of AI, where does that where does that lead us to from an education standpoint in this country, not in this country, in this world in the future, when it comes to trying to find engineers, what kids need to learn, how they need to learn, what kind of jobs they're even going to have? Well, I think like every new technology, really new technology, you get the same response. You get the optimists of the world that see this very naively solving every problem there ever was, like when electricity became available, when you know nuclear power, you name it, the steam engine industrial revolution. And then you have the pessimists that think it's going to wipe out what we are comfortable with and all the jobs will go away. And I'm sure the steam shovel uh, was a nightmare to ditch diggers. Uh, the fact is, there's not a, a single example of a new technology that didn't create more jobs than it wiped out, didn't create better quality of life, higher standard of living, solved all sorts of human problems, particularly in the medical space that I've been in for 40 years. But the problem with this one is it's going to come on so quickly that unless we can train enough people to fill all those new jobs, it's not only going to be a problem uh, that we can't fill the new jobs, but as we fill them, it will wipe out the ability to stay in the old jobs. So in this case, both the optimists are right, it's going to be unbelievable. And the pessimists are legitimately concerned that uh, there will be a shortage of, of good jobs uh, because we don't have people to fill them and a real problem for the unemployed whose, whose other jobs went away. Will, I am. You using AI these days with your music, with other parts of your, your life, with your business? Um, in business, yes. In creativity and expression, no. Um, the company that I created, FYI, uses uh, generative AI at the core of the product to allow um, folks to help folks be um, supercharged by the field and the tool. Um, but for me, as a creative, um, 
it's it's therapy for me. Writing songs is therapy. I need to do it. I can't. There's certain tasks you can't hand off. What about the possibility that one day AI will sing the songs for you? Maybe, maybe, or, or take your voice and do something with it. You probably saw, you know, Kendall Jenner or Tom Brady uh, got involved with Meta, for example, where they have become bots. Um, so uh, so and, I and, think, and I it, think it's very much, it feels like it's them, even though it's not them. Would you ever have the, the Will I Am bot? I would have that if, if it was my data and I owned it. Right, right now, as far as loaning your likeness to a company to, to grow their, you know, their gravitas even more, um, by not addressing their, their business practices to where it's more humane, to people's civil liberties, privacy, and democracy, um, we've seen what happened with social media and the misuse of that. No regulations around that. We've seen how it's disrupted, you know, elections and. Um, uh, so 2024, we, we have something coming f- as far as making sure people are aware of the duping that that's going to be taking place in 2024. So with that, nope. Um, unless a company has, you know, clear business practices that intends to help society as a whole, uh, empower people with their likeness, their essence and their their identity, right? I am my search. I am my, I am my data. So, unless it's my data and and it's a platform that that the entity is mine, I'm not going to play around with that. I don't think anybody should as well. Dean, are you are you as a, as a, as a great inventor? Are you a, usually in favor of regulation or not? I'm in favor of regulation that that makes makes all opportunities equally available to all the competitors in a given space. I'm not in favor of regulation done by people that are simply in fear of the unknown, that think that they can stop the development of technologies because they're afraid of them, because for one consequence of that, then it will only be the bad guys somewhere else that do develop those technologies, and then their fears will come true. We now, again, live in a world where a lot of people that are afraid of things they don't understand are very loud about it, very passionate about it, and it might lead to the unintended consequence of regulations doing exactly the opposite of what people hope they would do. Namely, it will prevent the accelerated good outcomes that could come from great technology being applied by good people to solve real problems, but it'll leave it to the dark side to use these advanced technologies to do things that we actually should be afraid of. We're in this unique and and very tragic and sad moment around the world uh, when you think about the war that's happening in Israel, the wars happening in Ukraine, and I'm so curious how you as an artist sort of think about that, think about using your voice during this period, uh, what role you think artists should or shouldn't play uh, during, these, d- during these kinds of moments. After running first for the first 15 years, which now makes it about 15 years ago, we started getting teams out of Israel. And finally, about 10 years after that, Israel had over a thousand first teams and the honorary chair over there and little Israel, a thousand teams per capita, highest of any country in the world. I got a call from Shimon Perez, who was nearly 90 at the time, who said, Dean, I have seen first, not just in Israel, but in Gaza, among the Palestinians, 
teach these kids they all have the same issues. They're all facing global warming. They're all facing the same issues. And what I've noticed is if we can get to these kids before their parents teach them how to hate each other, which they've done for a thousand years, we can use science and technology to bring them all together and break the cycle of self-destruction. If there's a song, if yeah. there's a song to be written, um, I think the song that applies to what's going on right now is Where's the Love? That's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC starting at 6 Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from that three-hour TV show right into your ears, follow us here on Squawk Pod wherever you're listening. We'll meet you back here on Monday, and in the meantime, have a great weekend. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.